0: Welcome to Crime and Wine. I'm Pamela Fagan Hutchins, your host, and this is the show where I talk with other crime fiction writers about the stories of thrills and suspense that will leave you mystified, sometimes horrified, and always wanting more. Please join me in welcoming today's special guest. Hello, everyone. Good to see you out there. I am so excited to be coming to you today with a thriller author who I know you're going to love. Before we... get her on the show, and start talking books. I did want to shamelessly mention that less than a month ago, I had three books come out, Her Silent Bones, Her Hidden Grave, and Her Last Cry, Detective Delaney Pace. I promise I'll quit saying this sometime soon. But for now, they're still hot, they're still new, and I'd love it if you'd check them out. Um, and with no further ado, because I have no other shameless announcements to make, I want to welcome our special guest today, Ellie Monigo. Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to have you here. I am even more thrilled because I listened to the audio book, Custody Battle, before I had you on the show. So wonderful. I should tell you guys that the name of her new book is The Custody Battle. <laughs> so tell us about you, about the book, about anything that jumps into your head on this beautiful Wednesday morning. Yes, yes. So um,
1: in addition to being an author, I'm a a marriage and family therapist and um have been for over 20 years. And uh and so when I was first starting my private practice, um I uh I I was sort of you're trying to find a niche, you know, you're like, I gotta get this thing started. And so I went to all these attorneys and I said, okay, I can do, you know, mandated co parenting counseling, which basically means that when um people are having contentious divorces and they can't work together uh, for the the best interest of their children they're sent to uh, they're, the the judge will order them to go to mandated co-parenting counseling And, uh, and I, it was horrifying. It was the worst work of my entire career because it was so ugly. Like people were, uh, they were distorted by the process, if that makes sense. Like that people who had once loved each other now had so much enmity and they all believed in their self-righteousness. Like they, they all believed that they were the ones who were acting in the best interest of their children and they were sort of vilifying their ex, you know, and, um, and so I was watching this happen. real time, essentially. And it was a very difficult process to, um, to disrupt, you know, the sort of psychological process of that, you know, um, especially because they were goaded by um, the adversarial nature of the legal system. So yes. um, attorneys make a lot of money by having people at each other's throat and they are not a uh, trained therapists, and they are not trying to cool it down. They're trying to heat it up in a lot of cases. And, yes. uh, and so what I found was that um, there was it was it was horrible work, but it was um, great for psychological thrillers where in a way, as an author, you're always trying to think, how do I heat it up? Right. You're trying to think, how do I believably, credibly get people to act in abhorrent ways? Um, And there's something about when people really believe they're right, right, when they really have a belief in their own rectitude that um, I think makes for the most interesting villainy is that they're like the rest of us. You know what I mean? When we're driven to extremes and when we self-justify. So that was the basis of the custody battle was thinking about how to get these people in
0: this pressure cooker where they keep going
1: further and further.
0: First of all, I want to say hi back to Charlene. We are going to have people coming in and commenting the entire time we're talking. You guys feel free to ask questions if you're hearing this as a repeat. The um, quality of the show is going to be vastly enhanced by those that joined us live. But I did want to say um, that I got out of being an attorney because I hated the adversarial process. And And I'm also someone who's been through divorce, luckily didn't have to go through the counseling or the custody battle, but I can so relate to what you're saying about how it brings out in people uh a self justification right you you are you are you don't start it wanting most of us to to crush the other person and hopes and dreams but somehow it becomes not the best of either of you and doesn't isn't that what makes villains interesting when they're multi-dimensional, when they have a reason what it is that they do even if it's not a reason that we agree with they at least have a reason so for starters that's what i loved about your book is that it was so relatable you had villains that you could see slowly descend into their villainy and that everyone had the potential to be a villain so hats off to you on that um so now I, I, I am guessing that you relate then very closely with the character that does the, um, uh, I'm thinking partway through the book, and I can't remember the character's name, but where the mandated custody, basically, the guy to render the opinion on custody, or the mandated custody counselor was more of the roles you can relate to in this book, um, yes. sat down to write it. Yes, yes, I know,
1: and I'm like, is it Wilford? Did I call him Wilbur? I know I gave him like kind of because she was a, he was a very Mister Rogers kind of um, a presentation. Yes. Um, and yes, I, uh, I another thing I considered, a niche that I considered early on was becoming a custody evaluator, and um, and the people that I met who did that work, I thought were wonderful, you know, um, and I really respected immensely. And I said, no, 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 I will <laughs> not do it because the idea of meeting with these people and then having to um, render an opinion that can become a judgment, right? Because the um, court takes those evaluations very seriously. And, um, and I thought that was a level of responsibility that was um, beyond what I was comfortable with, honestly, because you're sort of t- trying to ascertain who are people really, who who would do the best for the child, you know, and uh, will you get swindled by, you know, will those people trick you, will that, right? Like, I, I never wanted to feel responsible for sort of placing the child in a situation that I thought was the better one, yeah. and I was wrong, and I found that, yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so I, di- I did, I, uh, I would say I didn't relate to him, but I, ad- I, admire, I
0: admired him, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and yeah. it was based on various people that I had met who I thought were very well-meaning. You have to really be able to leave not only all yourself behind to do that kind of role, but to be able to see through how people present themselves, right? Because the best presenter might win. The most educated best presenter. Can I hide my smile? And if I'm with you, that would be I'd be so worried about getting it wrong. Um, I have two kids, three step kids, and a niece and nephew that are ours. And and just thinking about, you know, the idea of having to go through something where you do potentially lose the ability to, to parent the way you want to those kids is terrifying. So there's really so many entry points for being able to relate to this book. Um, yeah, I really, I stopped and and halfway through it, I was thinking, was I her? Was I him? You know, like looking at the relationships between the parents and and it made me really stop and think and, and say, oh, please God, no, please don't let that happen to me. But I, 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 there was no murders. There was no murders in my voice. So that was good. <laughs> this is a good thriller. So, you know, there's going to be somebody end up dead, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Charlene Capadice says, yes, it's so hard when it comes to children. So now has with, with your background and your practice, has most of your practice involved children and families? Um, that, that's like a daily thing for you to, to go through things like this?
1: Well, I stopped doing that as soon as possible. So essentially, um, I, I declined those cases. And I took it off my website, because I used to say, Mandy, you know, and I, um, and so about 80% of my practices with couples, and, um, and some of those couples, um, if they if they give it their best effort, right, and we work together, and it's and the marriage is not going to continue, then I really am working on how to have it be an amicable and respectful ending, right? That honors the relationship that you've had. Like I really feel that that's important because not all relationships are meant to continue. You know, um, so I consider there's two good outcomes to couples counseling. One is that you um, have a healthier relationship at the end, and the other is that you decide this can't go forward, but you 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 take care of each other. Does that make sense? You still um, yes. care yes. about the other person and respect them as a person, and you kind of try to launch each other
0: into a good next chapter in your lives. That that's yes. kind of what I'm aiming for. Get, get through the bad stuff with as much grace as possible and respect. And um, I totally agree with you. So shout out to my ex-husband, Dan, who is actually a super nice guy and a wonderful father and grandfather to our kids. So mm-hmm. um, and we didn't kill anybody. Um, <laughs> that's not my usual standard, right? We didn't kill anybody. Um, <laughs> And you didn't try to like annihilate
1: each other's character because that's the thing is that there's um, a lot of deaths that are not death, right? Like that are, there's a lot of grief. That's not right. That, that a lot of it, it distorts the grieving process, right? That there's a certain way that um letting go of other people and letting go of the life you thought you'd have, you'd have is really painful, right? It's saying like, we thought we'd be a family, like a, a certain kind of family. Forever, right, right, and so instead of focusing on the grief of that and letting go, we're focusing on going at each other, right? And yeah. so it's a way to delay the grieving, right? Um, and uh, and and keep you locked up in this calm form of combat. And so, um, so I wrote it with. Um, empathy for the people involved and empathy for you know all the people I've seen go through divorce who like I said they would present terribly in my office because and they didn't know it (laughs) they didn't know how bad they were coming off I was like oh you're saying horrible things and you don't even know it you know And I had the impression that in real life if that makes sense like that they were not like that's where I'm interested in the being distorted by the process right and by like the psych, the psychology of the process interests me. So, um, so that they're they're people behaving very badly in this book. But I hope that they're I I hope I'm explaining psychologically why they're behaving badly, and that people do. See them as a cautionary tale in some ways, and um, also are also on the edge of their seat, saying, "What are they going to do next?" Because
0: they're being driven further and further. They're in a pressure cooker, and you know the the best of murders occur: love, lust, loot, and loathing, right? And and you've got all of these coming into play, you know, in some of these splits. So there's just this pressure cooker of of motivations. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I did. Um, I did really see these characters where you start to see them like almost as like a really good unreliable narrator thriller, right? Because they're no longer writing their own narrative with any reliability or anybody else's, but they don't realize that they're lying to themselves. So of course they're lying to the reader as well, but it's with no malice. It's not like you're pissed at this character for lying. It's, they're absolutely being funneled through a system and a process and an experience that leads to this result. So I found I like really fascinated. I did find it a cautionary tale and I found it um educational and and like I said, also one that made me stop and go, please God, with all the mistakes I did make, which ones of these did I not?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it can make you great. It sounds very weird, but it can make you grateful for your own divorce. yeah (laughs) Yeah. and for the ability to like maintain that level of you know decorum and respect and that is so important for when you're going to be kind of leashed to this person for for years depending how old your child is right during the raising of your kids right who were who were like basically marinating in this ugliness and that's the other part of it is that the the, the, um that was sort of like the little, little cover but what they said is um they came up with this tagline i really like it which is they want to protect their child but what if they are the danger and I think ultimately, right, they're, they're misreading the danger and they're, they're, they're not understanding, right? They're not understanding their role. They're, and often people, when they come to me in therapy, they don't think dynamically. Like I think of forces acting on each other. Right. That's how I um, always think, even if it's an individual therapy client. Like I'm thinking about kind of like how um, what is the context of their lives? Right. How if they come in, they want to complain about their spouse or something. I'm also looking at what dynamic what happens between people. Right. What's bring what's being brought out of you, what's being brought out of your partner, like what's happening there. And um, and I think in a lot of times people don't think dynamically. They think more kind of like um, binary, like good and bad. And, you know, I mean, I'm this, he's this, you know, or vice versa. that she's this, and
0: so I think that um, that kind of binary thinking is encouraged by the system. I do too, I do. and and I think culturally we think that way as well, right? There's a lot of, uh, of it's a bit of a blame culture, you know. This person did this to me, and not a what what do I own that has me in this situation? What can I do differently? I'll tell you, one of the things my husband and my current husband have been married to for nearly twenty years. What what we came to the relationship differently. Um, after having failed before was the idea of I, we called it, um, I'm not going to be the asshole this time. You know, the idea that everybody is to a certain extent, the asshole <laughs> fails. And just point your finger and say, "Oh, he was an asshole, or she was an asshole," and and that's what we really came to it with was how do I not be the asshole this time? So, mm-hmm. so keep working, but in a in a divorce, you're still talking about who is right, who who did it, and that just drives that that um that desire to kill someone, you know, right through the roof. Uh, and and so in this in this book, I also found it interesting some of the side players and the forces they were exerting. And I don't want to get into spoilers here, but when we think about things that are being put into, um, you know, a person's head when they're in that situation for whatever another person's reason is, whether it's a family member or whether it's a friend or whether it's coworkers or, or, you know, that they bring their stuff too. And that's what I guess what you mean by dynamic as well is what is happening that's creating how they're not presenting well (laughs) or very badly. So it's all very fascinating to me. And in a... Still, a thrillery way where you're still going, Oh gosh, what's gonna happen? Something like really, really bad is gonna happen here, you know, because that's what you're that's the payoff you're looking for in a thriller, it's not the payoff you're looking for in counseling two people through yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yes, they're very different roles that I'm occupying in my own life, but yeah, but always
0: drawing right, always drawing from them. I bet fun. you have a lot of inspiration having been in the fields you're in for good thrillers. Is there something that's coming next on the horizon for Ellie Monaco and for readers of The Custody Battle?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next one that's coming out, I believe in May, um, is called The Divorce Lawyer. And it pulls it's uh, it pulls out a character from um, from the custody battle, um, Esther, who is the attorney for Madeline, the wife. And um, and I I, like I really she's not in a ton of scenes, but I she's I just I really had fun writing her scenes. And I had a really good people gave me a very good response to her that they found her kind of enigmatic and interesting and the way she's constructing her. Worldview. I wanted to explore that more, and I've never really written sequels. I've actually never written. I've never written a series or anything. So this is as close as I get to sort of writing a
0: a series. Is is the pullout character and I love other characters reappear. So you guys, so if you pick up the custody battle, Esther is the divorce attorney for Madeline, who is the the mom in this custody battle, and she is she's enigmatic. He's um sometimes very infuri- infuriatingly so for um for her client but that makes her a great character to spin oh i love that i love that i can't wait to tell you for it okay so my um my longtime viewers listeners know that the next stage in this um, show is that i ask you what we call speed round questions which artists that they as and viewers can learn similar things that are different about the authors that read the kinds of books they love. So are you ready? Yes. <laughs> all right. So are you sushi? And or it's food? funny, like, I, I'm,
1: a, I'm a kind of, um, I'm a fast talker, but I'm not always like a speed thinker. So I hope
0: that's yeah, so why I'm hoping I can perform. <laughs> you can think as as you want. We got all day. Um, <laughs> so sushi or pizza? Um,
1: sushi. So That's shade. like the health in me. Don't <laughs> really make it pizza.
0: pizza. <laughs> there's a part in you that wants to just go decadent.
1: <laughs> I'm torn. I'm
0: torn. Yes. Are you a plotter or a pantser when you sit down to write?
1: Um, I've heard sort of like when people say you're a plotty panser or a pantsy plotter <laughs> or something that there's some like way that you combine them because I I definitely have an arc. You know, I already have an arc planned. Um, but then within that, um, I allow for surprises.
0: So yeah. And the surprises are fun, aren't they? Like when you're like writing and you don't know what's next. It's just like, it's almost like reading a book in slow motion. <laughs> like a thing, like you're
1: sort of speaking for something,
0: you know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, that's what she wants to do. <laughs> I love <laughs> you know that. <laughs> I love that. And so do you ever find that this is off, off the tip, just riffing off what you've said and not the questions, but do you ever find that your character stays with you after your fingers leave the keys or your pen leaves the paper and that they're still speaking through you a little bit or controlling you and your emotions the way you go or do you are you able to let it go when you walk away
1: no i probably just walk away yeah i'd say yeah i'm like firmly in that head and then firmly in my own back
0: in my own it's very healthy that is that's a therapist in you that's had to do that Sometimes my husband's like, I don't care if Katie had a bad day. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> um, so when you when you write, are you is this something that you're able to do anywhere like office, home, or do you have a special vibe, a special place?
1: Um I, I'm a loungy writer. So like I have something called a cuddler chair, which is this big brown chair and my dog lays next to me and I write in that or I write from my bed. I really, I've come to, I've come to realize I really want to lay around and be productive at the same time. I used to, I used to
0: just write at a desk like a normal person, and then suddenly I realized, oh, this is fun. You know what? Writing is hard enough, right? We need to enjoy it. We need to we need to want to get into that mode. I'm like in cozy mode, kind of You're like I get cozy for it. A choice: Do I stream something on Netflix or do I write? Well, as long as I'm in my comfy chair, I'm good. So yeah, my comfy clothes, my comfy yeah, the whole thing. Yeah comfy clothes are really important. It's happy hour. What are you ordering? Or you can pick one of your characters and what they're ordering.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, I'll go. I'll just be about me.
1: I'll go with me. Uh, I would say like, uh, if I'm out, I like to, I like to see what the bar does. In, that's interesting. Cause I feel like if I just order, you know, a standard, right? Like I'm like, order Manhattan. I know what I'm getting. So okay. i like a bourbon based something. So
0: I want them to do something interesting for me that I can't do at home. I had a jalapeno martini this last weekend. I usually, you know, I'm like lemon drop kind of person and it just blew me away. Now I want to make one. Although, okay, you guys I accidentally bought two pounds of ginger yesterday thinking I was buying one. That's what happens when you do online ordering, right? And so the two pounds of ginger arrive and so I'm Googling, what do you do with two pounds of ginger? Infuse it in vodka. There you go. So if you're coming to my house in the next few months, you're getting ginger vodka. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, I had a lot of infusions. I don't, I don't. yeah, I don't get fancy like that at home. I kind of can find, yeah, for, like fancy is when I'm out, but I want to be surprised when I'm out. I want something interesting.
0: I, I love that. You and I should have a cocktail. Um, and do, so you, um, when you write? Do you enjoy what process do you enjoy most? Like first draft, research, rewrite um, or any other piece of it?
1: Yes, Um, I'd say first draft, because, again, it's where the surprise.
0: My answers keep going back to surprise, I guess. Like, um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 where you're going to be most surprised. So if if somebody wanted to make you happy on a birthday, would it be a surprise party then or would it be you need to know and it's planned?
1: Weirdly, then I don't want to be like I like I like controlled surprise. Like, like I wouldn't ever go to a bar and say surprise me, make me whatever you want. I would never do that. But I want to like have something interesting and out of my comfort zone that I have chosen is out of my comfort zone. Similarly, so, really, I don't like to be surprised on birthdays. I, I don't like it. to be surprised surprise parties. No.
0: So it's a controlled <laughs> element of surprise. <laughs> Ellie's loved ones take note. They probably already knew. Um, <laughs> And if you could be, um, well, this may be be already answered by what you do, but if you could pick a dream job, if writing is, for instance, maybe a dream job, you could pick a dream job for a day to be, what would it be?
1: Yeah, it's true. I do love, I actually, I've, I've gotten very lucky professionally by being able to do two dream jobs, essentially, that go, they go together very well, you know, like the introverted me gets to go off and write, right? And the more extroverted side of me gets to engage with people in therapy. But I think um uh, I probably, I know journalism is having so much trouble right now, but I'd like to do it just for a day. I, I actually think the idea of just going out and, or being anthropologist, or I think something where you just... Go out and meet really interesting people who um, uh, educate you about things. Is you know, which is probably not at all what journalism or <laughs> is like. But if I'm doing it for a day, that I'm going to that's how I'm going to
0: do it. This you is really the really masks you picked for that day. Forget all the other part of it. I'm doing this. <laughs> uh, I think that's interesting and. Um, And given what you do, which is explore interesting people within your office, but then to be able to do it almost like you're saying, like an anthropological level, whether it's a journalist or anthropologist makes sense. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, this has been super fun. I'm so glad that we sat down and did this. You guys, the book is called The Custody Battle, and you can get it in paperback, audio, ebook. Um, have we hit the release date? Did that already occur, or is it? Um, it is. Uh, I. Bo- it's a week from today. It's February twenty, Wednesday, February twenty. So go pre-order now. I'm telling you, you'll really enjoy this. And then when the time comes, you can um, instead look to actually have the book delivered to you. And Charlene says she's so looking forward to reading your books. Oh, thank you, Charlene. appreciate it. And and thanks again for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It really was great. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right, you guys. So. You know what's coming now, right? I hate to do it, but the obligatory, this is a solely owned and copyrighted production of Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, a digital media corporation with over 4 million viewers and shown in 153 countries. You knew what was coming, you survived it. Be sure and read my books because I want you to hardcover, large print, audiobooks, ebooks, paperback. You can get them on my website, anywhere, your library or your bookstore can order them for you as well. But I'd also like you to go out and pick up a copy, a copy of the custody battle. The same can be done instead of Ellie Monago's new book. If you'd like to see past shows, if you want to see who I have on for season four, oh my gosh. I added two people yesterday. The lineup is amazing. Then go out to my website, PamelaFaganHutchins.com, and you can see the ever-growing lineup there. I think I only have three open dates the rest of the season, which I started with like 70. So it's, well, 50, well something like that. Anyway, there's a lot of shows and a lot of good people. You're going to enjoy it. See you next time, guys. Thanks for joining us today on crime and wine chats with crime fiction authors and pamela fagan hutchins we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll check back in with us next time for more thrills suspense and stories that will mystify sometimes horrify and always leave you wanting more